If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Zantia Isaac. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in K-Pop. And for this week, we have, we definitely have another amazing person as our guest. And this person is definitely going to give you a lot of inside information about K-Pop. We have always been uh, talking to people who have worked on screen and with K-Pop idols. And this person is going to be a person who has been connecting media and k-pop idols for quite a long time and she has brought out some really amazing projects and interviews out and i'm super happy to have britney press in our podcast episode welcome oh my gosh for that kind of introduction (laughs) i don't know how to lead in but thank you so much for having me of course like the introduction is not done yet actually Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> here, yeah, here's going to be a quick intro because you have so much uh, like happening in your plate. So it is a must to let the world know what you're doing. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like people who have been following K pop very closely, or if you are a fan of Omega X86, then you would have definitely heard about the Helix publicity. And they have been working with different media outlets uh, for their interviews and multiple video projects. And guess who is behind this? It is definitely our guest, Brittany, who has been working with the management to bring out, to make your artists be shown or be interviewed. So she has been the director of PR and operations. First, she started off as a publicity manager And now she is the director of PR and operations, helping people get connected and bring out wonderful works outside. So she didn't just start with Helix, actually. It was quite an amazing profile she had because she had been working as a publicity intern, then a publicity manager in multiple outlets. Like, seriously, guys, like in various companies as interns. (laughs) with a lot of experience like i'm not kidding like you have so much experience in this field then you worked with gramophone media which is also quite popular among k-pop fans for bringing out such amazing video contents 
So you also work there as a senior publicist and then you work as publicity manager. And now your journey has got upgraded and you started doing wonders with Helix. And Helix is, you know, like, I just want to name these guys. Like, I am a huge fan of these groups and I should definitely tell you, like, their, um, you know, like, their customers or their clients include Omega X, AB6, Sean, Ravi, CIX, Kingdom, and a lot more solo artists. So such big names are the clients of Helix. And here we have the multitasking and multi-talented. And can I call you the workaholic maybe? like? Oh, I'm definitely passionate. a workaholic. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, so the workaholic, none other than Brittany's Brittany uh, Press. So thank you so much. My pleasure. I mean, I've known my career has been long, like wonky, but mm-hmm. to like hear it in a list, I was like, wow, no wonder I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, you have been doing amazing. And I thank also you. got to read this uh, profile in a, like, a line where you, mentioned that music is a borderless and universal language and Helix works on you know like appreciating and you know like getting those Asian artists be seen in the uh, major media outlets and larger outlets so that is a beautiful purpose like I got to know Helix a few months ago last year when when things started budding out so yeah. um, whenever I read that line you know like the description in your bios it really meant uh what you what you're doing right now and i think that's very genuine and yeah i have also worked with you in a few assignments so yes. that even gives me a lot more pleasure to be an interviewer for this uh, very huge interview oh my gosh you're so sweet yeah. thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'm good i'm just gonna sit here blushing this entire interview i think <laughs> Well, I, um, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm glad that line resonated with you. It's definitely resonated with me more than just on a professional level, but on a personal mm-hmm. level. Um, I have always reached for international music, regardless of language or regardless of culture. And, you know, it's so great that relatively recently and as time goes on like we're seeing more of an expansion of that among more people and you know it's our goal to at helix to keep furthering that mm-hmm. okay yeah and you're doing that amazing we're trying we're trying our best it's definitely not easy all the time but we're doing our best mm-hmm. um you know we as you mentioned we work with a lot of k-pop but we would love to just expand even more into j-pop and you know, C-pop and not just like pop music, but R&B, hip-hop, you know, ballad music. Like we would like to just, you know, work with more and more. And we hope that like K-pop continue, can continue to be the vehicle or the what like the K-pop artists can be the ones that like hold the door open. So mm-hmm. other amazing, you know, Asian and international artists can, you know, come into the space. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And I really, I'm here to witness everything. So <laughs> for the best. Well, part of it as well, as we've worked together before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So 
to the viewers, if I missed something, of course, I would have most of your uh, profile, but um, would you like to just give a very quick intro to our viewers and listeners? I mean, I think you've pretty much nailed it. Um, I worked in publicity for so many years now, I can't even mm-hmm. keep track of it. Um, I mean, I worked in publicity even outside of music. It's just something that I knew I've always wanted to be in. And then, you know, being here at Helix and being able to like really, you know, shape campaigns and like help get my clients' voices out there has been truly rewarding. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope to continue doing that, you know, going forward with, you know, the amazing team here. That's amazing. And I just realized that I have been pronouncing the publicity wrong like i thought it's helix like heaven oh (laughs) no it's totally fine so many people do that um no it's definitely helix um it's definitely helix but like helix (laughs) helix like a a lot of people but it it officially is helix (laughs) okay helix from now on yeah i'm changing vocabulary (laughs) yeah but yeah so you, you just mentioned how you have been uh, working in publicity for quite a very long time. So when was the actual, when did the actual journey begin? When did you realize that you actually wanted to do this or be part of media? When was that? Oh, gosh. Okay. So like, we're just going to get into my whole background here. My path is a very not linear path in the slightest. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, um, I was supposed to become a lawyer. Like, that's just like what mm-hmm. family decided that I should <laughs> be. Okay. And I was going to school for that. But to be honest, I was totally miserable in that light of work. Um, I had gotten an English literature degree because I had like convinced my family to call like, oh, it's perfect for going after a law degree, which it is in some respect, but like it was more creative and I wanted something like that was like in the middle. So I didn't go absolutely stir crazy. And then I worked in a law firm for a bit and it really just confirmed that I did not like this. <laughs> I did not want to do this. But at that point I had graduated and that was where my experience was in. So even when trying to break into publicity and at the time I was trying to break into like the book industry, like YA and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I always love to read and I love those stories. And because I had not done like what my peers had done, like done the internships at publishing houses or p- publicity firms mm-hmm. and stuff. I had to start from like ground up because I was already past college. I was already unfortunately like older than the peers getting those opportunities. So like I was at a disadvantage. So I had to make my own destiny, I guess. So I became a book blogger and became kind of a low end <laughs> influencer in that and worked with a bunch of authors. And then through that experience was able to finally get my foot in the door as a publicity intern and kind of went from there. But in working in books, working in books is a it's not that it's a weird space. It's just different in the sense that like working with music is so fast paced, like things are happening like nonstop. Where in books, you could be working on like one book for like six months to a year, sometimes longer. And so by the time the book would come out that like myself and my team would be working on, I was kind of like sick of it already. I was like, this is one book that I've been stuck on for like a year. And like, by the time it came out, like I was like, I wanted something more. And a couple of the projects I worked on, like had a more entertainment aspect, like 
the author also worked at like was like a writer for like a tv show or something like that and there was a little bit more of an entertainment element to it and i was like i think i want to lean more that way and um i mean i've been a k-pop fan for like over 20 years already but like i didn't know that there was like jobs for that in the u.s especially as a person who's not korean doesn't speak korean and i just never assumed like that was going to be a thing and then of course obviously that all changed and i just had to be a part of it because i as a fan who's been around for a while it was always so frustrating to me that it wasn't popular sooner because like Mm -hmm. when i was a kid and people found out i listened to k-pop they just thought i was like weird they're like you don't even know what's going on and like you know k-pop wasn't very you know accessible then so like you you were k-pop and like you had to be like dedicated to in like the depths of Mm -hmm. the internet trying to find the content because it just wasn't available easily um so once it became a thing i was just determined to take my publicity skills and go into music and work in that space and here we are today (laughs) wow that is a beautiful journey and I am from English literature as well. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people who did that agree, like, but like it, it was very transferable to what we were doing. So I, it's hard to explain exactly. how, but it was so. <laughs> yeah. So English literature people getting dumped in the media field, which, which is yeah. good. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. I'm definitely happy wow, I got that, here, obviously. So that was my next question. And you just gave me the perfect you know, like snippet to get into the next part. Like, when did you start fangirling? Because I'm sure that when you are part of media, when you are part of this publicity, you, you understand what the fans need. So it is, it should be, or it can be uh, a must for a person to be part of a fandom, to understand fandoms. So what was the first thing? Like, is it pop culture or movies? Like, how did your fandoming start? And when when did you realize that you can actually be a fangirl? I mean, I don't know if there was any one point where I realized I could be a fangirl. I think I've kind of always been a fangirl. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's some what of a negative connotation to fangirl especially on like the industry side of things because it just sounds like a fan who's like hyperactive and just like almost mm-hmm. obsessed which I hate that that's the connotation but it's often the connotation but like I can confidently say for as long as I've consumed media I've been a fangirl like that's just the reality mm-hmm. of it and in my opinion in working in k-pop you have to be a fan because this is an all-consuming multi-layered thing Mm -hmm. that like it's it's for some people it's too hard to comprehend or like wrap their heads around Mm k-pop unless you are a fan um because Mm -hmm. like even when i try introducing it to friends of mine who are like not into k-pop they're instantly overwhelmed like instantly they're like a lot (laughs) and uh, but like once you're in like you in like you're in all the layers you're consuming all the content so like I I mean for myself and you know I think it's really important to work in the field to understand what the fandoms are like and what it means to be interested in k-pop and you know international music as a whole I think it's 
almost impossible to work in it without that understanding. Wow. Yeah. So when it begins, like, I do understand as, uh, as long as you can see media, it is, there might be a slight difference because everybody loves media movies and people just enjoy entertainment. But with Fangirl, what I mean is a little bit dedicated or getting a little more involved with the movie that you watch or the music. So uh, who were the first set of artists that you fell artists. in love with? Artists, okay. Then that narrows that down a little bit. Okay, because I was like, <laughs> media artists, like where did that start? So in terms of artists, so I was interested in anime. As a kid, I watched Pokemon, I watched Sailor Moon, I watched mm-hmm. you know, Dragon Ball, like all that stuff. So I got into K-pop and artists because I was watching an anime called Inuyasha and one of the Mm -hmm. ending songs was sung by Boa and I was like who is this singer she sounds amazing like who is this and then so Boa was kind of like my gateway into becoming a k-pop fan but like it started with anime (laughs) which I was in anime and then um from there um from Boa then um that moved on to Dongbang Shinki or DBSK TV2, mm-hmm. all of their names. Um, and that was just kind of my gateway into K-pop. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's okay. when I, I that's when I could pin it down to being like when I first got into it. But then I would have to say, like, I guess it started with my love of anime. Mm-hmm. Well, that that was really unexpected. Like you started with Boa. So how long have you been in K-pop then? Well, over 20 years, for sure, just because my favorite artist, he says his career has been over 20 years. So I normally mark it by like the length of his career <laughs> because I've been watching wow. him and like his uh, former group since they debuted. So mm-hmm. so Who was that the- 2002, 2003? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is the hero? Who is the artist? Um, so my two favorite artists that I still regularly consume today would be Kim Jin-soo and Kim Jae-jun from former TVXQ. So, uh, yeah. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So, yeah. And uh, we're just talking about how uh, you kind of diverted your publicity, you know, like activities from book reviewing or book publishing to music. So what was your first experience in music media? How was it different? You did say it was exciting and rapid, but how was your personal experience? And what was your first experience? What was your first assignment? Well, I think when I made the jump from books was I took a job with this um, K-pop app called The Coos, and I actually Mm -hmm. lived in korea for a little bit um and i think our first assignment was just uh social media promotion for the launch of the app and then um my first like physical day like on the job was actually working kcon la in booth so wow yeah so that was probably my first experience it was a whirlwind because you know you go from book publishing straight to kcon (laughs) um but it was very exciting i felt like i was among my people and I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, I've, you know, I've just been in this world as a consumer and now I'm on the other side of it. But like it still felt like home. Mm-hmm. 
that's nice. So how is it different from now, like the experience and excitement? Uh, well, I mean, I'm very fortunate that I work in a job now that I really, really love. And I have mm-hmm. the privilege to work with artists I care about and artists music who mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, so I'd have to say almost every day to some extent is exciting because like we get to do work on really exciting things. Um, but the work between the first assignment from my previous job, like two jobs ago, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is very different than this. Cause that was a K-pop app and it was more on the marketing and social media and fan engagement type of things. And now working in on the publicity side, publicist is a very interesting job in the sense that like you do so much behind the scenes that like people are not aware of, but then you also have to be somewhat like public. So like, you, like I'll promote my clients like activities or like their interviews and stuff that's going on. So every day is different. There's always something exciting going on. And some of it's not so exciting because, you know, a lot of it's done on the computer like I always make a joke with my employees I'm like I'll be rotting at my computer today everyone (laughs) text me if you need me (laughs) so I mean it it just depends that's amazing and speaking about work I was thinking you know like you just recently had your uh, like in-person concert experience and you got to be in the uh, publicity side Uh, working with artists so just when you were mentioning about computers and online i just got reminded of your recent huge assignment actually and uh, we had such an amazing ambience and a lot of fan cams going around the concert literally blew the internet and would you like to share whose concert it was and how was it to our viewers Well, it depends on which concert you're talking about because the most recent ones are CIX and AB6. Because like AB6 is happening as of right now. And like, you know, like after I get off this interview, I'll go back to coordinating the stuff for like their their, their press activities for that. Um, But then before that, it was CIX and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot of running around. It's a lot of making sure like yeah. things aren't <laughs> like things are going the way they should. Um, thankfully, uh, that kind of stuff is always really stressful leading up to it because like a lot of it when you're preparing for a tour, especially for an artist that's you know not here, like they're coming in. It's just like it's not that it's in theory, but like here's here's the plan. But like the plan always changes once people actually get on the ground and like there becomes new realities of being in person. So like we plan everything out, like this should take this long. We should be here from this time to this time. But then we actually get there and, you know, people are imperfect. So every, the times shift of how things are like where we're going shifts depending on like what's happening in that day. So, but of course it's really great to, you know, finally see these artists in person, especially with the pandemic, like everything's been done like via Zoom. Some of my clients I've only ever like met on Zoom. So it's been fantastic to finally be like, hi, we're not talking through a screen. (laughs) So it's great. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did mean CIX and AB6. So how was that experience working with the artists and like holding a concert and especially after pandemic? 
Or would you like to share your experience with our listeners? I mean, it's to this day, even though I've been doing this like for a while and like before these two concert experiences, well, like I had other concert experiences like for work, it's different because like I'm obviously like the director of publicity, so the roles are different. Um, but it's surreal because sometimes like I'll just be doing my work. I'll be running back and forth and making sure like everyone is where they're supposed to be. Things are getting done the way they're supposed to be. And then I'll look up and the concert's going and I'm like, wow, (laughs) I'm at this concert for work. Like, and Mm -hmm. I had a very small part to like contribute to this. And it just it's very rewarding and um i wouldn't like i i wouldn't trade this opportunity for the world <laughs> wow that's that's really beautiful and what what would you consider as the best part of working in the k-pop industry that's really hard to nail it down <laughs> um i really do think the best part is just watching these artists that I'm working with and not just ones I'm working with like other artists mm-hmm. who are coming to the stage like watch their like dreams and goals like be reached because like some of these things especially like mm-hmm. when I'm working with like a debut group for example we have all these wishes and hopes and things that we're working towards and then when they finally do that you know watching it happen for these artists who have just worked so hard for so long finally happen, I think is the most rewarding part. That's, that's beautiful. Like, I think very few get to say that, but you just nailed it again. Wow. That's a beautiful answer. <laughs> uh, I, I just trying to give, you know, as truthful answers as possible. Cause like, I mean, I think, of course, in this line of work, you'd be like, yeah, the best part is I get to go to concerts or like I get to work mm-hmm. with some of my favorites. Like that stuff is all wonderful. But like the core of this company, like I said, is just trying to make it so like Western media is more accessible to Asian and mm-hmm. international artists. So when we actually see the needle move even a little bit, it's like, oh my gosh, everything that they've worked for, that our team has worked for, it's happening. It's really happening. And, you know, it's, there's, there's no better feeling than that. And, uh, and like for people who wants to get into this media, like I just wanted to shift it to the media kind of talking. And as you mentioned, you came from a different background, like you didn't exactly study media and even I didn't. Uh, but uh, like to land jobs like these, uh, what would be your uh, suggestions or a piece of advice? Like what, what do they, uh, what should they start doing? What they could possibly do to work yeah. on whatever they love? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, the thing that people in this industry values the most, and I'm sure you know, is experience. And the only way to get experience is, you know, through interning or having a job, which is, it feels bad to say, because like, I know a lot of it's, it's hard to get into this career. And, you know, like for myself, like having done things not in the correct way, Mm -hmm. I had to make a path. I had to get experience where there is no experience. So, and that's really hard to do, um, but you have to look up for those opportunities. So like, again, for me, the way I got in was I became a book blogger. Like I made an own blog. I 
um, put time, energy, what money I had into making that the best experience possible. And I, it started really small. It just started from like reading books and reviewing them in a timely manner and learning what it meant to properly promote on social media. And then like literally just working up towards getting, you know, a stronger following, making more connections through that, through starting just with other book bloggers. Um, I think it's almost the same in K-pop, like if, or like in the music industry, if you do it like me or you did it the wrong way, you, and you're trying to get internships and you're unable, like for some reason, nothing's like working. You have to find other ways to gain experience to, you know, make yourself stand out a little bit more. Like I have, you know, colleagues who they started out with volunteering at tour companies where like, they're just helping out with a show that's like in person. And like, that's how they put that on their resume. The main thing is like, you have to have the experience to make you stand up more because it's so competitive. It's so, so, so competitive. And, um, you know, I have had interns and I've had other people reach out to me for like, um, informational interviews and I wish I could say there was an easier way. It's just like, you have to be able to find the experience, find the experience somewhere. And whether you're just trying to get your foot in the door or whether you're already here, it's really hard work. This is not, you know, the type of job, as you know, you and I are both different time zones right now. This is not a nine to five job. Um, this is like an around the clock job. Um, so you also have to be prepared for that aspect of it because I see a lot of people who come into this and, you know, they understandably so want more of a work-life balance. And unfortunately, this is not the industry for that. Just because mm-hmm. if you think about the way, you know, the things you consume, music, movies, whatever, like they come out all the time but in order for them to come out all the time for the public to be entertained by whatever we're releasing we have to work around the clock to make that stuff that seems to be coming out all the time so to kind of like sum up here is you have to find the experience whether you're like applying to multiple internships just to get your foot in the door you find volunteer experiences to get you know experience you start it youtube channel and you just start like talking about different k-pop groups and stuff like that and like trying to grow it within that community to get experience you know because i i've i met so many individuals who started out as you know they started out as journalists but then they switched over to pr now there's some conversations about that that gets a little bit more like complicated but i've seen people do it and you know there's some people who are social media influencers and then they carved out their own little space and you know, they meet more media people and then they get brought onto, you know, record labels. Like you just don't know, but you just have to work to find where you can get your experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's beautiful said. And talking about, you know, like paving your own way in the platform, I can probably relate to it so much. And the difficulty also comes in because there's opportunity for everybody like you don't have to complete a particular degree or have this thing to be done to get into media like anybody can come in and that's where the competition begins so exactly that's where your experience comes in because in this Mm -hmm. industry i've met people with a wide array of degrees almost it's so rare to find someone that has a degree that like was within i mean i will say 
um, a lot of journalists I know, a lot of, you know, uh, radio personalities I know, they do have a degree in communications or in journalism, and that's really important. But I've also met my fair share of people who have English literature degrees. I met some people who have economics degrees, uh, you know, business degrees. Uh, uh, When we've um, held like interviews, I've got people from medical school and law school and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So what this generally often comes down to is, okay, you're smart. So what, Mm -hmm. what have you done? What have you done? Like Mm -hmm. what, are you going to bring to the table if you were in this role? So it, 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 you have to find the experience, which is difficult. I know I am. I'm saying it like, it's so easy. It's, I know it's not, it's really, really hard. Um, I talk about with my colleagues all the time, like I scratched and clawed to get my experience here and it's, it's difficult sometimes. And that's why it's hard. A lot of people, like they give up after a while because the amount of effort just to get your foot in the door sometimes is too much. Like sometimes it is just too much. And then you have to, because life comes in, bills come in. You're like, okay, well, this is not working. I have to go do something else, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't really think that listeners are going to get, uh, you know, like angry or disturbed when you say that they have to find internships because you yourself you did it so uh like you're not just saying it yeah i don't i i hope people don't get angry about it but when i've had this conversation people are not like they're mad at me but like they're frustrated Mm -hmm. and i understand their frustration having to have gone through it like i could talk for like months and months of like what i had to do what i had to deal with to get here and I always want to acknowledge and validate that this is really difficult to do. And some people are often put into a position where they can't do it, not because they're not skilled, not because they don't have the experience, because this industry is just hard on people. It's just hard on people. Um, so I always want to acknowledge and validate, you know, people's backgrounds and struggles. Yeah, that's beautiful. So talking about your experiences, now getting a little into K-pop. So you have been a K-pop fan and for more than 20 years. So from being a fan to getting into the industry, working behind screens, and now being uh, one of the, of course, one of the leading publicists who can work, yeah, definitely, like who can work with notable names. And you also, to be honest, you actually make, no, like rookie groups notable. I'm, I'm oh, thank you. I try. I mean, honestly, like I'm just, I, I'm just the person behind showing everyone like they're so talented. They work so hard, and if I help even a little bit of them becoming more known, like my job is, you know, done, and I'm so so happy. So thank you so much for saying that. Um, yes. I, I, I tr- myself and my team work really really hard, whether we have a debut group or you know a veteran artist, mm-hmm. and. All we want is to help them, you know, be heard. Yeah. So the change, you know, like the ultimate cycle. So how, during these years, how do you see uh, K-pop growing as a genre or as a culture? Like, uh, I'm sure you have, you would have witnessed an entire revolution. (laughs) 
So this industry has changed. I mean, yeah. being a fan over time yeah. has, it's just changed so, so, so much. Um, when mm-hmm. I was a kid and was getting into K-pop, there was not as many groups as there are today. Like today, like new groups debut every day, every week. Like there's always something new to consume. Back then there was not, or at least from what my view, maybe there was more because mm-hmm. again, I was in the States and obviously again, it was hard to consume K-pop back then. But there, in my point of view, there wasn't that many artists. So being like a multi-stand, like you just were because there weren't like, there wasn't like, I'm only this fan because it was a community. Like we all loved K-pop. We all loved every group. That's just like, but that's just how it was back then. And then naturally when more and more groups pop up, people like these are their favorites and this is the type of music they like. And this is, you know, where we part. So it, it has changed and fluctuated a lot. And, you know, now I think, and it's what I think, but it could be totally wrong is it seems like we have fandoms who are like these are this is my artist this is my group and this is like my particular corner of k-pop um and i get it because if you try to be a multi-stand of all the k-pop groups i just don't know if you sleep (laughs) like it's hard to sleep (laughs) liking one group (laughs) um so i think it'd be just impossible to to be a multi-stand of all the groups now um in terms of where it's going to grow, I think we're in a very interesting time right now um, because while so many artists have like come through um, in the States over the years and like really promote there, we're at a time where everyone's asking like, so what happens now? Like, is this going to just keep growing and growing and growing or is this going to fizzle out eventually? Um at least in the industry, that's the consensus. We're all kind of like, so where does this go? And, you know, myself and my team, we don't want it to fizzle out. Like that would be the bane of our existence. That would just be awful. And we're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that doesn't happen. But it's, you know, anything in a fandom, it's hard to predict where it's going to go. Like it, it could go on forever. It could disappear in two seconds. Like that's just the nature of entertainment as a whole. Um, so it's hard to predict, you know, where it's going to go from here, but um, I'm sure it will be exciting in one way or another. And when we're talking about this multi-stand, the multi-fandom, like, uh, again, my personal view, I just feel that only people who write about it, who work with the artists, get to stand a lot of groups, like, the fans mostly prefer their niche and their favorite ones. It is mostly us who's working gets to stand all the groups that we get to see. Yeah, it's really hard not to like stand everyone we work. Like I said, like we're, uh, we're very lucky. We work that we work with artists. We only work with artists that we truly support and we truly like, because my personal opinion a person, at least for myself, I will work 10 times harder if I love what I'm working on. And I think a lot of people are like that. Um, so when I work with a group, like I love what they're putting out. I love their music. I love, you know, the visuals, um, everything. So, but there's another side to that in this industry is like, 
and it's unfortunate things like you don't always get to work on things that you love. Like you might grow to love them from working on it. You also might grow to hate it even more than when you started it. Um, it, it, It's a case by case basis, but um, yeah, it's truly great to be able to work with amazing artists and also like just be a fan of them and get to work on it. And taking, take, uh, going back to the tagline or the, the, the phrase that you have where you mentioned like you wanted to bring in Asian artists to the wider Western media outlet. So yeah. despite, despite the fandom or despite the craze we have for K-pop or any Asian artist, as a publicist, like what are your personal thoughts uh, on what is stopping these Asian artists from reaching the Western media. Like, of course, I understand that things have changed a lot recently, like through the years, but what might be, or what are the reasons that you think are stopping these Asian artists from touching the Western people? Um, There's a lot of reasons for this. And it, again, it goes back to what's also like the group's goals, that company's goals, also like the company's abilities. So another thing that's really important to understand, and I'm going to speak purely about the states because it's obviously what I know the best, is while there are certain places in the states that are very, very open to K-pop, like in New York, in LA, um, in Atlanta, in, you know, parts of Texas, um, the United States is huge. And a lot of places outlets the media are not about this like they don't they, they actively don't want this to be here and it's not that different than like when one direction was a thing there's a lot of people who didn't want that to continue they wanted it to end um it's not that different so besides not wanting like more k-pop that you hear what works more against them unfortunately is racism we have a lot of people who don't want music you know, not in English played in radio and played on TV here. And, you know, you can, if you think about it also, like everywhere in the United States as like, even though we're one country, we all have like our own little cultures. And for a group coming in, trying to explain the different regions of the US, I'm like, how they do media, how they do things, how this outlet works, how that outlet works. It's also very overwhelming because like the way they do media in Korea and Japan and China and just Asia in general is very different than how it's done here. So that's also a problem. So like we have racism, we have, we just generally don't want more K-pop. We want stuff like within our own country. Um, And then, you know, we have like, we just do things so, so differently. It just becomes really hard to do that. So um, like the way we do media here, I can say is a 180 difference from there. So sometimes in talking to different agencies out in Asia, it's hard for them to even wrap their head around like how we do things here because it just so it's too different. It's just way too different. And then another struggle is, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of artists and their teams have an interest in coming to the West, but like they can't justify it because like there's, they know, like they fully know, like they are not as loved 
you know, here as they are there. So like, why would they, you know, it costs a lot of money to get out here, all the planning, all the logistics. And, you know, you need someone in the U like a team in the U S helping you figure that. So that's also things they have to deal with. Um, there's just a lot of factors. And like, if they don't think like coming here is going to make sense for them, like there's not going to be some kind of return for them coming here. Why would they use their resources to come here when they know like it's not going to be well received? Of course they appreciate their fans who are supporting them from here, but there's a lot of back end logistical things that like, if there's not some kind of like, they get something from coming here, then they've just used a lot of resources that they could use elsewhere, but they will get something back from it. Whereas here, Mm -hmm. a lot of times groups come here, different artists, not just K-pop artists, and it's a loss. And now they're like, well, how do I make up all these losses that I just use? Because, you know, we have to remember like every concert, every performance, like there's something to be gained for that artist and their team by doing it. They're not just doing it um, for free. They have like, this is their jobs. (laughs) So they have to take that into an account as well. So there's numerous things. And some of them, like some of the um, artists that, you know, I've tried to work with that are outside of K-pop, they're just like, yeah, we like, we, we love our international fans. We love our English speaking fans, but we, it just logistically doesn't work. So like, there's that struggle as well. Um, it, it really depends on the artists and their team and what their goals are and mm-hmm. what they're just logistically able to do. So what would like, this question has always been in my mind, like, why is it necessary or why is it important for K-pop to touch the Western media? Why is the focus on Western media? I mean, everyone's wants are different. Every artist's wants are different. So for me, the reason it's important for it to touch Western media is because I think in the U.S. we need more diverse music i think we need to experience other cultures and i think we one of the ways we learn to have compassion and respect for other people is through our media it's through our entertainment and i think it's it's also a way you could also argue it's a way to fight racism um because you know some places are just not exposed to other cultures so they're just kind of ignorant to it and then they're absorbing you know racist thoughts and stuff and they don't know any different like they just they're not exposed to anything different so i think that's part of it too so for me i think it's really important you know to allow ourselves to embrace other cultures and other music and not just be so like have tunnel vision on what's in front of us like we we should be you know open to more things and I just think back to, you know, when I was a kid and I know so many people who went through the same story where like, it was weird. Like we were bullied for for this and I don't want more people to go through what I I want people to, you know, consume what they want to consume, do what makes them happy. And it's important to be like, it's not weird to listen to the music that you like. It's not weird to be happy by watching your favorite artists perform in front of you. It's not weird to be able to go to a concert of an international artist um and that's why i think it's important and 
you know, it's also important because like those artists want to come here, but they don't know how to, because like I said, it's, di- it's so, so, so different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's important that there are avenues that they can take to come here and like able to interact with their fans and media. Wow. That is very beautiful. Like, honestly. (laughs) Just going to match my sweaters. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, I didn't expect that. Like, most of the times, like, let me be honest here. Like, most of the times I have only concentrated on the monetary benefits when it comes to the Western media or the importance was given because of the monetary benefits but you just made so much sense with your answer like yeah that's true like I only understand wow that 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 is so obvious like wow well I mean I hope so I mean I of Mm -hmm. course there's financial benefit to anything we do Mm -hmm. in this like we, there ha- honestly there has to be like otherwise we can't afford to do it like you know like perf- concerts aren't cheap to run like um so they they have to have a financial benefit but they entertainment like has a cultural influence on everybody and if we only limit ourselves to our worldview that's just an response we're not going to learn anything we're just going to learn what's in front of us and i think that's very short-sighted Wow. Yeah, beautiful. That's lovely. So we just had one of the intense conversations uh, in the Cape of history, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure there's been more intense. I'm sure there have. That's why I mentioned like one of the intense conversations. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So getting on the lighter note, I just wanted to know like. Um, what is in your playlist recently? What K-pop songs are you listening to recently? Oh, what is in my Thank playlist? You. Like, to be honest, I have like a billion playlists oh, based on like my yeah. general. I mean, I listen to Mega X all the time because like mm-hmm. I have to support one of our own, just like all of our clients. Um, let's see. I'll just open my playlist and see. I think the last thing I was listening to was uh, Movie Star vs. CIX <laughs> was uh-huh. the last thing I listened to. <laughs> um you know but, like maybe you were preparing yourself for the podcast and like no, no I mean again like I've said you know so many times on this already like we work with artists that like we legitimately like so like it I'm not kidding when I say like my the clients that we work with are in my playlist because we generally want to work with you know artists that we're fans of because again who's gonna know you know an artist better than someone who's a fan of them like mm-hmm. you won't have to teach someone if they're naturally a fan. They'll already know, you know, what that artist has been through, what they've done, their performance history, their you know discography and stuff. Whereas if you hire someone um, who's like brand new to the artist, now they're spending weeks and weeks just learning instead of like working on that. So like it's really important for us to you know be fans, at least in our opinion, of who we're working with. So, let's see, what was the last thing? I think I, yeah, it was movie star, but. CIX. Um, before that, I was listening to uh, Kim Jun Soo's recent uh, album release, Dimension. Um, mm-hmm. bef- 
the other day I was listening to AB6 because, you know, I just saw them when they were here in New York. So I was going through the set list. Um, yeah. Amazing. So are you into K-dramas as well? Like, do you watch K-dramas? I like K-dramas. I wish I had more time for K-dramas. Um, I rarely have the time anymore. Um, kind of like what I said, this is not a nine to five job. So my schedule is often all over the place, especially if our, um, company has a tour going on. So I very often like a good work day where I'm not working like over too much as I start work at like 9am my time and end work around 9pm, but more likely I'll end work around midnight if uh, a group of mine is in a promotion cycle, so they just released something and mm-hmm. we're doing interviews and stuff, my workday will probably end somewhere at 2 or 4 a.m. and then back at work at 9. So yeah, I remember, uh, I remember it's, our first meet. I think our first meet was around 1 a.m. for you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it sounds about right. Um, because, you know, most of the time we're working like, multiple different time zones like in helix our staff is um like throughout the states like i'm in new york um our global uh growth manager is out in la we have staff in texas we have staff in florida um so like we just have time zones amongst our own staff (laughs) and then uh you know with journalists journalists also all over the place and then you know our (laughs) clients are Today they're in Korea, tomorrow they're in Japan, now they're in the Philippines, like they're everywhere. Um, so yeah, I wish I had time to watch K-dramas. Um, I just finished watching um, Shooting Star, Shooting Stars. I always mm-hmm. forget there's like an extra S there um, because it was something like me and my team were watching because it's about a publicist working mm-hmm. in an entertainment company yeah. <laughs> with actors and um uh, our global mar- uh, mar- uh, her ch- title changed recently so our global growth manager she watched it for <laughs> yeah Raquel she <laughs> recommended to me she was like if you want to feel attacked like you want to feel like someone understands like what working in publicity is watch this drama and um to be honest, in working in publishing and working in here I've never really seen a media show that like really depicts like the struggle mm-hmm. of this side like they de- depict the glamorous stuff they never depict mm-hmm. the struggle and this one when i watched it i was like oh someone <laughs> knows how this goes <laughs> someone knows like how stressful and like what these things take to do um so i recently watched that one and, um i enjoyed that one uh was the one i watched before that oh gosh i don't i can't even recall what the drama was i watched what's one because it just doesn't seem ever seem time in my downtime <laughs> I'm most likely sleeping or like hanging out with my sisters but also when I'm hanging out with my sisters I'm just like an absolute slob of a person I'm just like merging into my couch as they just happen to be around <laughs> wow you know like at the beginning of the podcast you agreed that you're a workaholic person and now at the end of the podcast <laughs> oh no I, I th- there's no way I can deny it. Like that would just, just be, you know, have I'd have no self-awareness if I tried to say I'm not a workaholic. Um, but besides being a workaholic myself, like 
I probably, and I have the ability to set more boundaries and give myself more rest time, but like, again, there's always stuff going on in this industry. So it makes it really hard. And sometimes like, it's not even just me. Like we just have to, like, that's just the activities and we have to do it. Um, and again, anytime you're trying to making some, something grow, and this has been true of any job I've ever had, you have to dedicate yourself to it. And that means sacrificing like sleep and free time and things like that, which is unfortunate, but it's just how it is. And honestly, there are times where I could probably put off work, but like mentally, because I'm a workaholic, I'm there. It's probably even want to go to a concert. If I'm just going to a concert for enjoyment, like it's not my client at all. I will catch my brain switch into publicity mode like oh, okay so the media is probably somewhere over there and oh interesting they went with that setup instead of this one i wonder who decided to do this and this and like i'll be like stop brain stop like mm-hmm. you're you're here enjoy this yeah, you're enjoy. not working but like my brain just naturally like switches to that mode yeah occupational hazard. i think only get it like I can get it actually. At times, yeah. it it happens. Yeah, it happens to me. Like yeah. So wow, it was really a lovely time getting to talk to you. Like, Likewise, thank you for having, having me. Yeah. yeah, like just just like a normal conversation because we mostly texted and yeah. I would say. <laughs> mostly email like mostly email texted mostly email dms occasionally now um but yeah mostly email <laughs> a lot of emails so so it is so good to see you and hear you likewise and yeah and there were really some honest and really beautiful answers which i really enjoyed and i'm sure the listeners would have had fun listening a bit more so. into what yeah a bit more so. into what happens inside K-pop. So finally, would you like to give them your social media um, accounts of your publicity as well as yours so people can follow you? And if there are aspirers who, who are aspiring to be a media personality who wants to work with media, if they can reach, reach out to you, you can just yeah. give it to you social media sure so all of the helix accounts where we post about our clients activities and what they're doing and um also like i know a lot of people have asked me before like does helix have job openings our helix job openings are always on our linkedin page just look up helix publicity on linkedin Mm -hmm. um all of our social media handles for helix are just the handles are just helix publicity on instagram and on twitter um on my personal social side. So I'm mainly on Twitter and on Instagram. I have a TikTok, but I, I'm just learning the TikTok things. Mm-hmm. It's difficult, but I'm getting there. Um, so my handle, I think for TikTok too, is Brittany Rambles, R-A-M-B-L-E-S. And that's from my book days where I just talk a lot. <laughs> and I still talk a lot. So all my handles are um, Brittany Rambles on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, I believe. Um, and then you can also find me on LinkedIn um, and connect with me there. And uh, yeah, they want anyone who wants to reach out for media. I do occasionally do informational interviews if my other work cycle 
as busy like it mm-hmm. is currently. I don't take on, I, I, I can't do more just because I do need some time to sleep. <laughs> Uh, I need some time to recharge before I go back to work. Um, but I do occasionally do informational interviews. Um, but anyone can always feel free to reach out to me. I try to get back to everybody as quickly as I can. Sometimes I'm not able to, but I do try. So, um, feel free to go ahead and reach out on social media, LinkedIn somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like I remember like when, Felix was starting to do PR for groups that I really admire. Like I was, I was actually a little anxious or scared to taste you. Oh really? <laughs> no. Like, no, it's like it's it's my opinion. Like I also uh, found your talent saying like you concentrated on Western media, so I was not sure if you were interested with any media outlets. So, and on the other hand, I was like. Oh, is it fine? Like, Anthea is a very small person in India, and how am I going to reach out? And then I kind of, uh, you know, like brought this guts and I texted you, and you were just so sweet. So, ultimately, you're a sweet person. Yeah. That's what oh, I'm trying to say. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, if I don't get back to you, it's not because I don't want to, it's just because, like, I either didn't see it or I just did not get a chance to get to it at that mm-hmm. moment. Um, I try to get to everyone and, you know, I'm glad that you reached out. Um, I, I don't really think about like if someone's from a major outlet or from a small outlet, everyone starts everywhere. And also like everywhere, everyone jumps everywhere. Like I just have to think of myself. I started out as a little book blogger and now like, this is where I got myself to. So like, you can't dis like, you can't just like be like, oh, they're, you know, from a smaller publication or like, they're just a blogger. Like, I don't have that mindset because I'm like, they're not always going to be that. Mm-hmm. And they're probably a really cool person that I have a lot of things in common with. So please reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. Now, really, we have actually mentioned your book blog for quite a long time. Like you have, um, instilled this you know like you have kindled this interest inside me so oh my god that thing is dead that thing is but it hasn't it's like I haven't used it in like years like it's still there somewhere but it's long dead um I get notifications about it like occasionally like oh yeah that that thing exists still um but I haven't done anything with it in years um I wish I still read but again just like k-dramas there just seems to be no time like I listen to audiobooks occasionally but like to be honest it's like books I've already read but I get like a, it helps me through like my day to have like some kind of noise but it can't be something that's like distracting to me so it has to be something I've listened to or I've watched like a billion times going through so like right now I'm listening to the audiobook of Pride and Prejudice I've read this so many times mm-hmm. I've seen all the movies and adaptations and so on but um yeah, I mean that thing is so old. <laughs> it's not even worth a classic. For. A classic. <laughs> Nobody can say no to Darcy. True. But I was, I was maybe I'm not a very huge fan of Darcy, but I mean he grows on you. Like that's the point of Darcy. He grows <laughs> on you, like in his, you know, pompous attitude, and you're like, oh, he's <laughs> just like a soft boy underneath there, but also like <laughs> fictional. <laughs> Like people don't be fooled. They're 
<laughs> someone is like Mr. Darcy in real life outwardly. They're probably like that internally. Very rarely are they a small boy with a big heart underneath there. Like, let's not be full. This was written by a woman <laughs> <laughs> hoping for such a person to exist. <laughs> exist. Yeah. Like we did stage Pride and Prejudice and guess which role I landed, landed into like which role like which um character which character i could see you being a good lizzie no i was mr collins no (laughs) how on earth were you mr collins (laughs) exactly like i of course everybody hates collins okay like when i got on stage i hated collins as well but i just had to do a good show because I'm a dramatist and I have okay. to do to be fair I think justice. it's more fun when I've like done like I, I've done community theater and stuff before it's more fun to play the bad character like I you know I love Elizabeth Bennett but like it would be so fun to be Lady Catherine I've never mm-hmm. been thus treated in my entire <laughs> life like I say that in my house my sisters hear it all the time um I think it's way more fun to play like the bad person it's more fun because like just to be like you should be just be a nice person but to, like to play a nice person to play a caring it's like not as fun as being overly dramatic and like you know throwing a chair <laughs> over or something i think that would be more fun to play <laughs> but um like mr collins also had some comical elements so yeah, yeah my my professor found me comical and at the end of the play people started telling that they fell in love with mr collins so well, there you go. Hey. There you go. I mean, if you can revive Mr. Collins, like you can revive anything. <laughs> wow. I agree on that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems like, wow. I miss theaters. But yeah. Me too. <laughs> so, Me too. <laughs> yeah. Getting back. Uh, yeah. We were finishing this off. Like, I yeah. really would love to have you again. Maybe we can take some classic literary works and even bring in you know, like K-drama actors or K-pop stars. And- <laughs> I thought that. That'd be <laughs> so fun. Recast them. Like maybe we oh, could work on That would be fun. Like actors. casting like K-drama yeah. actors, but like in like mm-hmm. classic literature adaptations, that would be great. Yeah. We go hunting so- for, you know, the, <laughs> the best K-drama actor to play Mr. Darcy and the best camera drama actress, mm-hmm. the play Elizabeth Bennett. I think we could have fun doing that. Yeah. So we should definitely do that episode. Um, definitely not when you're super busy or definitely not spoiling your sleep schedule. Like when time works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, thank you for having me. I'd love to come back. Um, I mean, that sounds like a fun episode already. <laughs> so <laughs> find time in the schedule. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, finally, as for Believe in K-pop, you can follow at Believe in K-pop on Instagram and use the hashtag Believe in K-pop on Twitter. Uh, do let us know how you enjoyed this episode. Do make sure to reach out to Brittany, as I mentioned earlier. She's very sweet and uh, you know, approachable. So you can definitely text her and uh, ask her questions. Don't nudge her, but you can ask her questions. I mean, <laughs> nudging me is fair with how busy I am. But like, yes, I try to get back to everybody as quickly as I can. I promise I'm not ignoring anybody. It's truly just because there's a lot to answer. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as for me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Anthea Isuk. As for Facebook, I have Anthea Dorothy Isuk. So yeah, do do jump in and guys, if you are fans of classic literature, please let us know. Like we are hunting down for novels for our next episode. So do we give also, Yeah, we, we can talk about classic literature. We can talk about how they're great. We can also talk about how they're trash. Like we we're here for it all. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, please look forward to that fun episode and uh, yeah this is a new week hope you have an amazing week and uh, a great time uh, with your work and may you have a nice weekend as well thank you yeah you too and everyone (laughs) listening thank you yeah and uh, finally let me meet you in the next episode until then Make sure to spread love and be loved. This is Anthea Isaac. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.